Welcome to A Fresh Take, where we look at timely and timeless issues through the lens of biblical truth. I'm your host, Mark Pennell, joined each week by Pastor Paul Sartorelli of Trinity Church in Metro, Ohio. This is our chance to take a look at important biblical, cultural, and contemporary topics that resonate for all listeners. Thanks for joining us today. If you're watching us, uh, I'm the one on uh, the left, Mark Pennell, and that guy's yes. always on the right because he's right. <laughs> Unless you're watch, watching us in a mirror, then you're on the right and I'm on the left. Should that mean we talk in reverse? It should, and that says, Kate Href. Nothing like starting out silly. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's get into the business. Okay, imagine, go with me on this. Imagine there's a crime scene. Uh, that has to be cordoned off. And you got tape, you know, wrapped around maybe um, a sign or a FedEx box or maybe a fire hydrant to show that you, you should not go there. But in front of that, somebody has stapled a big sign on a, on a telephone pole that says, crime scene, stay back. And in front of that is an orange barrel with uh, a sign that says, caution, do not pass. And in front of that is a flashing sign that says, you will be prosecuted uh, if you go in beyond this. All right. That's what the Pharisees did with the Ten Commandments, the way I look at it. There's the stop sign. That's enough. You should be aware if you go past that, or not the stop sign, I was using it a different metaphor. There's the murder scene or the crime scene. You stop there. They told you to stop there. Don't bother them. That's all you need. But the Pharisees said, no. I think we should do this and this and this and this. And then they would arrest you if you went past that first point. Yes. Is that kind of... That's legalism, not just Pharisees, but in some forms of fundamentalist Christianity as well. So they're expanding on the Ten Commandments? Is that what we're talking about? They're command, yes. They're, uh, not just the Ten Commandments, but uh, I think on all of God's laws. Let's expand them as much as possible. Let's control people as much as we can, because we really can't trust people's freedom. So we're going to keep you from getting as close to the edge as we can, and we're going to, just like that, go back and back and back and back. I mean, there used to be, I mean, the the, the Scriptures are clear, uh, about let's just just talk about sex. Adultery is wrong. The old King James word fornication, sexual intercourse outside of marriage is wrong. Mm-hmm. And, but okay, so that's pretty clear. So sex is meant to be enjoyed by a husband and wife in the confines of their marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's pretty clear biblically. Today's society's affecting that obviously. obviously. But let's make extra laws. So. And some of them are good. Maybe your 17-year-old goes out on a date. You're not allowed out past midnight. That's an extra law. Um, But then there's laws, no holding hands, um, no dancing, no hugging except side hugs. But all that to say, every, every extra law is taking you away from the original one. Okay. What Jesus did, and, the, and what we're doing today, actually, we're doing a summary of the entire Ten Commandments. Jesus did something similar but different. And here's what he did. He did. He went an extra law, but he went internally. Mm-hmm. In other words, don't murder, yes, but don't hate. 
Don't commit adultery, yes, but don't lust in your heart. So his extra law is internal, whereas the legalist's extra laws are always external boundaries, just like your illustration. So he was basically doing the root of the problem. Yes, totally. And... he was getting, as you said, inside. What caused you to sin in yes, these various totally. areas? Whereas legalism is just extremely superficial and in some ways very um, very religious because in some ways you can do these things. You can stay out only till 11. You can not dance. You know what I mean? Right. So it can make you a, a good religious person if you follow these habits right. like the Pharisees did too. I'll, I'll tell you, I, sometimes I actually wish our church had a little more religion, just a little bit of religion in there, um, mm-hmm. traditions or something. I went to an Anglican church mm-hmm. one time trying to find what could be best. And I was actually very interested in, you know, they did the, the what is it, genuflex? Is that what it is? No, the sign of the cross. Sign of the cross. What's yes. genuflex? You be, be, yes, bending, your, bending your knee toward the altar. Right. Okay. So that's how little I know about yes. this thing. Sorry. Um, you were raised Catholic, so you know it well. But I, I kind of understood that to a extent because it allowed you to be focused more on his greatness. Like I found out that Catholic priests, when they wave the smoke, it's to get all of our senses involved with God's greatness. It's correct. The beauty of the church, the wonderful sound, the, the past the priest, and also just even the scent of yes. God. Isn't that cool? That's very cool. I was once in an outdoor worship service in Africa. And they were doing this. And I thought, this is very Catholic. And then I realized, no, that was actually a mosquito repellent <laughs> that they were doing all over the place. <laughs> so it, it was very functional. The mosquitoes there, you had the fear of malaria. So you had to be really careful. Okay. Okay. Let's get into it. I'm going to shut up and let you talk today because. No, we're going to interact. Well, with- I, I have to, first of all, I have to share. Okay. This is the book that Paul gave me that helped me get through it a little bit. I wish I could pretend or fool you into thinking I was that brilliant, whatever questions I might have had that made you think I was brilliant. Uh, It's from Mark Rooker, and it was very, very helpful. It's the Ten Commandments, the ethics for the 21st century. Very helpful. I liked it a lot. It expanded my mind. So I wanted to get that upon. Yes, I I found that really good. Okay, here's what we want to do. We're concluding our um, series on the Ten Commandments, and we thought we'd do it. I, I came up with just four general statements for us to talk about as sort of a concluding thought on 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 this sort of initial ethic that okay. God gave his people. Right. Okay, so statement number one, and then let, let's, let's interact with this. Statement number one, the Ten Commandments are a standard for all, but given to the redeemed. And by that, I mean, it's a standard for, for all human beings. Nobody should steal. Okay. And so that's the human moral standard. However, it's given to the redeemed people. It's given to the redeemed Israel. And then in a very spiritual way, but real way, we are the redeemed as the, in the new covenant. It's given to, to believers as well. I don't quite understand. Isn't it given to all so that they are aware of it beforehand? aware of their sin beforehand. So it's to all. I'm confused. That's in a sense. Yes, that's the standard for all. And yet, I mean, the the words right out of the gate in Exodus 20 is because I brought you out of the land of Egypt, because I rescued you, because I redeemed you. This is for you to live by. And the same for believers. We are to live this way. Now, clearly they are a reference point that all human beings should acknowledge. 
because we we live in a day where there are no reference points. You know, I, I texted I texted my staff the other day. I was watching television with my mom and just a couple of things happened at the same time. And I just again, I wasn't being judgmental. I was just being observant. Okay. But it just reminds me that we have no reference point. I said we live in a really strange country, a country where a football coach in high school by himself is not is not is, is not allowed to pray right. after the game and everybody gets up in arms because he's doing that again i'm not being judgmental i'm just being observant so on the one hand a, a lot of people are up in arms because a football coach decides to pray on the field after a game in high school and you have drag queens reading children's hours to kids in public libraries and everybody's really happy with that right. it's like we live in a really, all I'm saying again, not judgmental, we just live in a really strange day and we have no reference point. I, let me give you two okay. statistics. I want you to react. Um, first, first one is, in a year, we consume five trillion plastic bags. No. Yes, five trillion. Um, average per person, 700 bags, plastic bags per person. And you wonder why the sea is messed up. So that's one. And here's another statistic. Just the strange world we live in, no reference points. <laughs> this past year, mm -hmm. so last year, so I think it was 2021. Okay. New York schools. Yes. The New York schools spent $200,000 on drag queens. Oh. <laughs> How do you... This, okay. Okay. Uh, you know what I feel like right now? I feel like I'm Bud Abbott and you're Lou Costello, and this is a comedy routine. <laughs> I'm the straight man, and you're just yes. doing the comedy. This is really strange. $200,000. The budget line must, must have been an interesting thing to read. <laughs> okay, we're not being judgmental. Maybe it's a little bit. But my point was society has... No reference point. Uh, okay, we do have consciences. There is natural law. Okay, there are cultural codes. Mm -hmm. You know, we live in a day where there's cultural codes. We live in the Cleveland area, and um, since I don't know the date, but hundreds, hundred years maybe, we've had the Cleveland Indians. Okay, the cultural code has now said no. That's a that's not a good name. You must change the name because it's offensive. Right. So there are there are some cultural norms. I'm not sure what the basis of the establishing those norms are, but there are those norms. Right. Then there's our conscience that's a norm. The Ten Commandments, however, are a clearer reference point, a more precise reference point than just cultural norms, and they are a reflection of the character of God. So, again, I repeat my point. They are a standard for all. Uh -huh. It, the world would be a great place if they followed it, but they are specifically for the redeemed to live by. I understand. And okay. part of it, the redeemed are to live by, start with with Israel and in, in in Canaan. If they would live by the Ten Commandments, they were to be believer priests. In other words, they were to represent a holy God to all the pagan nations around them. Oh, interesting. In many ways, we are to be the same way. We are to live on a higher standard. Ten Commandments a great place to start so that society will see Christ followers in a little bit different. Mm -hmm. um, that means you must be okay being different, maybe being um, in the minority, okay. uh, you look different, but that's our goal, All right. to represent the character of God in a godless society. All right. Okay? Yep. Any, done with that one? Yep. Second, 
The Ten Commandments were not given for us to earn favor with God or to earn our salvation. In some way, it's the opposite, because then we're realizing just how totally distant we are from Him, and it's it's not possible. Yes. That's yes, that's very Pauline thinking the, in, in the book of Galatians specifically. He talks about the law being that sort of bar that we could never reach that would drive us to Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think it is it is normal human thinking. Mark and I used to do a program called Word on the Street, and we would actually at times go on the street yeah. and interview people. Yeah. And I would I think it's the, the, the normal human thinking that God has laws. And if I obey his laws, he will be pleased and I'm in. Yeah, right. Isn't that just natural thinking? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's most religions. Right. That the standard is up here. And if I work really, really hard and make it good for me, I'm in. Hence the reason so many people in other religions are frustrated and sad because they ain't going to make it and they know it. Right. And we aren't either. I mean, no, no. But we have we have someone who forgives us who then works in us. To make it... Totally. Yeah, it's just really happened. Totally. Yeah. Okay. The word that's missing from all the other religions is grace. Mm. Because none of us could make it. All of us are striving and somehow in our humanity to be better people. But we will never make the level of holiness or perfection right. that God calls us. One other religion had somebody come down who was God and died That's to- that's the That's the Christian story. I mean, in a sense, that's the narrative. The narrative isn't God sets up a standard, try your best to obey the standard, and if you do, you're in. The biblical narrative is we are all in a heap of trouble. We cry, help! I mean, this this is Israel in Egypt. God says, I love you, let me rescue you, and now here are my rules, here are my laws for you to live by. That was Israel's story, and in many ways, that's the Christian story. We are we are dead in our trespasses and sins. God comes and rescues us, helps us, and now having been rescued, he tells us this is how you live. And when we say help today as believers— we, there's something in the back of our mind that we know he's there and listening and he will help us. Maybe he won't make the outcome of the tragedy better in a, in a, on a surface, but if you have something holding on to inside, then it's less painful. Indeed. And, and if the initial help is I'm lost, I feel shame and guilt and purposeless, and I need a savior, if that's my initial help, then he gave us all the help in the world, and that's his son Christ. That's the rescue. Now, in his son Christ, we are given the entire Bible, including the Ten Commandments. This is the standard by which you should live. Don't live this so that I will love you and save you. Live this way because I love you and have saved you. It's a difference. Yeah. Okay. In, in some ways, it's it's almost like parents, isn't it? Um, we don't want we don't want our kids to have to earn our love by the way they behave. We want them to behave because they know we love them. We know our they know our laws are to protect them, and then they behave accordingly. And the final goal, because of his love, is so great for us. These rules, these laws, whatever you want that, that, that help you, they will make you a happier, more productive, purposeful person. Yes, indeed. You've said it throughout the series. These laws don't bind you. They free you up. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Thirdly, the Ten Commandments are very purposeful for people today. 
um, again, it's part of it's what we already said. It's it is that bar of absolute holiness that makes us look. Oh man, I could never reach that. Or oh wow, does that reflect how how much I fall short or how guilty I am? Meant to draw us to the Savior, draw us to Christ, to draw us to grace. Law was never meant to save us. It was meant to point us to Christ and to grace. But it's also, um, my point, very purposeful pe- people today, the law is meant to show us how to live in two particular areas, mm-hmm. loving God and mm-hmm. loving you, mm-hmm. loving God, loving neighbor. You remember the the, the lawyer comes to Jesus oh, yeah. toward the end of the Gospel of Matthew. You have to read that. Okay. It, it, here's what he says. He comes to Jesus and he says, which command is the greatest? He wanted to know. And Jesus tells him, you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. This is the greatest of the commands. And you are to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he summarizes it this way. The entire law and prophets depend on these two statements. Interesting. So what's the greatest commandment in all of them, Jesus? Love. But let's love specifically. Let's love God with all we've got, our heart, soul, and mind. And let's love our neighbor as ourself. So the Ten Commandments, as a summary of the the Old Testament and of the law, the Ten Commandments can be categorized into two statements of love. Love God and love people. Sounds simple, but it's try it. God is love. I didn't understand that before I was a believer. And then now I know, first of all, he invented love. And I, sometimes when I pray, um, I'm asking him to take the love he's given me to go out further, mm-hmm. uh, to try to, you know, pour out to other people. It's not like, I, uh, give me more love, God, so that I can give it to others. No, it's, he's already given me an infinite amount of love. Mm. And if you love your neighbor, then you there's a there's a strange feeling you feel like you've done done something wonderful. Mm-hmm. It, it makes you that's part of what makes you happy. What he's talking about. Yeah, totally. We said it a couple of shows ago. Uh, generosity is its own reward. Yeah. So is love. Yeah. Theological thought. Just kind of a rabbit trail for a second. You said God is love. Mm-hmm. Love always requires an object. And in many ways, to describe the the sort of the baseline character of our God as love is proof of of Trinity. Love always has to have an object. God is eternal, so his love must be eternal. There must have been an eternal object of God's love. Mm-hmm. We're not eternal, but you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. There will always be an object to God's love. God loves the Son. The Son loves the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit loves the Father. And so there's this beautiful dynamic of, of love, subject and object of love, eternally in the Godhead. Interesting. Think about that. Okay. Fourth point. The Ten Commandments are an essential part of, uh, I'll say of church history, an essential part of the beginnings of discipleship, or for you um, mainline church people, of, of church catechism. Mm-hmm. whether it's with children or with new believers, the Ten Commandments have historically been a part of the training of of young believers. Three things. The Apostles' Creed. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's teach the Apostles' Creed. It's the summary of our faith. Let's teach it that they might know it. 
Um, secondly, the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. Let's teach it that they might know it and pray it. Not just memorize it. it, but understand it. Totally. And then thirdly, the Ten Commandments. Those three for for centuries have been sort of the curriculum of new converts and of children in the in the system of discipleship and catechism in the in the church. I think to some extent we're feeling a sense of desperation as a church, so we're flailing around and forgetting about the more essential points. I think you're absolutely right. We're trying to invent all new kinds of ideas and programs and this and that. and Those are pretty three good basics. Lord's Prayer, Ten Commandments, and Apostles' Creed. Okay. I'm ready to go somewhere unless you're not. I love a story. I love this story. Please, in Mark chapter it. 10, <clears throat> it's the story of the rich young ruler. And um, it's it's a well. Let me read the story. It, it, it's going to be summarized in our idea of of the Ten Commandments. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, this is Mark ten, beginning verse seventeen. A man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked Jesus, "Good teacher, I love this question. Hear the content of the question. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit?" Eternal life. Inherit. That's interesting. Two key words. Do, which every religion says, yeah, there's all the things you should do. And secondly, inherit. Mm-hmm. My great-grandpa was a member of the church. My grandpa was a member. I'm going to inherit. Mm-hmm. So he's got a couple of ideas going on there. One has to do with a works mentality, doing it. And the other has to do with sort of a, a family mentality, mm-hmm. inheriting it. Mm-hmm. If if my heritage was Christian, that must automatically mean I'm Christian. Well, Jesus goes right to him and he says, um, first of all, he goes, why do you call me good? (laughs) Jesus asked him, no one is good except God alone. Okay, so let's establish that. We all, except for Jesus and God, we all have a problem. We're not good. So get rid of the idea of doing and get rid of the idea of inheriting because we're all behind the eight ball. None of us are good. Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and father. Okay? So he's got, he gives them all those commands. And if you remember from this series, interestingly enough, those are all commands from the second table. Oh, interesting. They're all the horizontal commands. He doesn't give them the vertical yeah, commands. Yeah, right, right. So he's he's going after the man's, in a sense, his behavior, mm-hmm. his morals. Um, and so here, here's what he says. Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Really? Oh? Really? Mm-hmm. Looking at him, I love the res- Jesus' response. So looking at him, Jesus loved him. Mm-hmm. And said, you lack one thing. First of all, Jesus could have easily just pressed the button. Thanks for playing. You're out of here. Not that at all. Jesus loved him. And then he says, you lack one thing. And here's what he tells him to go do. He didn't tell him what he lacks, but now he gives him an action to show what he lacks. You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then 
Come and follow me. Mm. Okay? Sell all you've got. Give it to the poor. Follow me. Mark then writes with this huge contrast, but he was dismayed by this demand and he went away sad. Yes. And here's the reason why he went away sad, because he had many possessions. In other words, many gods. In many ways, yes. He, Jesus is showing him where his, what was the one thing he lacked? God. Mm. He had a lot of small G gods, mm. all his possessions and everything else, but none of those things would he allow them to be subsumed under the Lordship of God. Mm. And in many ways, that's a statement to all of us. We can talk all about the Ten Commandments till we're blue in the face, but ultimately it comes down to who is your God? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Mm. And when I fear the Lord, all of a sudden, he's first in my life. Mm. And all of those other things become second. Yeah. And so I obey him, not out of obligation to know him. I obey him, which includes um, not stealing, not murdering, all those things, includes those things because he is the one person I worship and everything else that I'm going to hold on to that keep me from him are my idols. I have a friend in Bible study and his, uh, he, one of his kids came to him after he'd been brought up in a Christian home. And she told him that she was giving up on Christianity because it was too hard of a work to do. Hmm. Oh, that was interesting. And I think to some extent, there's a little bit of truth to that, even those, those of us who are true believers. It does take hard work. Mm -hmm. It is a commitment. And it is going against what the social norms are. Rather than just coasting along on a raft, you're fighting it. Right. And, and, and But again, I go back to and take it from a man who has uh, dealt with uh, depression all of his life. You do find satisfaction, purpose, love. Uh, it, it's so wonderful that, yes, it does take some work. Yes. Because you're fighting not only your sin nature, but the world around you. But you can go to him and find that peace, that love by following those Ten Commandments or, or trying to through him. It does happen. Indeed. So the gift that God gives us is Christ. That's free and it's by grace. But to follow him, that's the that's the demand of discipleship. To follow him means to pick up your cross yeah. and follow him, to deny yourself and follow him, to obey what he says. For this guy, it was give up your riches, not because it's sinful to be rich, but those riches were his idol. So you're right. The path of discipleship it's an arduous one. It's a difficult one, but it's not without the strength of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, but it is a step-by-step -step walk. The gift of salvation is free. The walk of discipleship is long and at times hard, mm -hmm. but it's in the right direction of following Christ. These 10 commandments are part of the part of the discipleship process of living as if he were living through us. We could do an entire program on joy, what it really means, not the human joy. Right. Uh, it, it sounds goofy to say it that way, the humanistic joy, but the godly joy that can actually be a comfort in the darkest moments of your life. Mm -hmm. So and that joy becomes your strength. Right. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Right. And that joy comes through following his will for your life, which includes the 10 words, the 10 commandments. Wonderful. 
I wish I could have some joke about next week, the 12th commandment, but it, it, wouldn't, no. it won't work out. I'm, I'm averse to lightning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He said, 10's enough. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I guess that wraps it up then. Yes, it does. Thank you for joining us. Till next time. Thank you for joining us today for A Fresh Take. Your support means so much to us as we get this podcast off the ground. So if you enjoyed today's episode, would you please consider leaving a review to help us get the word out to more listeners? You can also subscribe to A Fresh Take right now and guarantee that you will never miss a new episode. The video version of this podcast is available on the Trinity Menor YouTube channel or by visiting trinitymenor.com slash learnandgrow where you can also catch up on past episodes of Pastor Paul's video series, Take 5, or read back through his blog, To The Point. A Fresh Take is hosted by Mark Pennell alongside Pastor Paul Sartorelli and is a ministry of Trinity Church in Menor, Ohio. Our musical selections are provided courtesy of Michael Burrett from the Eastman School of Music. Visit trinitymenor.com for more information about Trinity and its ministries. Thank you for listening today. We'll see you next time.